doesn't say Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Since I say 36, it still astounds me that we've done 36 <laughs> episodes. But yes, it's 36 episodes of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that's still waiting, still waiting for any news whatsoever about Zach Taylor. Um, and what can we do? We just have to wait, right? I mean, the Rams are still in the in the in the hunt for the Super Bowl. We can't say anything, but things have been happening at Paul Brown Stadium. And to discuss, we've got a plane going overhead. Not literally in the sewing room. It's not that big, but uh, and to discuss all these points, all the comings and the goings and the rumours and all sorts of things. Uh, it is the Brexit to my omni shambles. <laughs> The grey to my January days, the Andrew to my Whitworth, the almost to the end of my season, it's Nathan Palmer, everybody. Hello, Nathan. Good evening, Paul. How are you doing? Um, what are you talking about, Zach Taylor? We, we were discussing on this podcast last week that Eric Bieniemy was going to be the ex-head coach. Have I missed something? <laughs> What's changed? Well, that's it. We spent pretty much all of the last episode bigging up Eric Bieniemy. Because we were convinced that that was going to be we, the we, Bengals' choice. We were choice. in the know. <laughs> because we were in the know. So uh, if you didn't already, don't trust anything that we say. <laughs> but everything, seriously, everything was pointing to Eric Bieniemy being the new head coach. And and then, of course, about an hour after he wrapped up recording... Some proper random geezer broke it as well. Yeah. Proper yeah. random geezer. Yeah. And apologies to that random geezer. I'm sure he's a very <laughs> he's... important man. But... No, he weren't. He's he got under... He's got under... <laughs> He's got 100,000 followers, but I've and never heard of him. our special guest this week <laughs> is Random Geezer. Random, hello. Honestly, I don't know who the geezer is. But he's he... a Cincinnati sports guy, right? Is he? He is, yeah. He's he's one of the journalists over there. But everyone was I saying think... he was like mad unreliable. and Because he, de- he, he was the oh, one who okay. had the shout that Hugh was going to get the job. Oh, really? So everyone thought he was just making it up. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. But yeah, so an hour after we, we stopped recording, we wrapped, I think, the uh, the media phrases. Um Eric Bieniemy wasn't going to be coach. It was Zach Taylor, and uh, so yeah, he is one of the youngest coaches in the NFL. <laughs> not the youngest, not the youngest, but one of the youngest. Um, and I don't know. It's 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 risky. I mean, what were your thoughts about it? I, I'm really surprised. I think it's a sexy move, and I think the Bengals deserve a sexy move at this point. I think you know, with all the lack of activity and free agency over the years and stuff like that. And, you know, with Marvin Lewis clinging on for 16 years, the fans want something exciting. And I think bringing in someone that's from Sean McVay's shrub, as we shall call it. <laughs> it's not a tree yet, It's is not it? a tree yet, it's a shrub. Yeah. Um, to bring in someone from that shrub, I think it's exciting. And, you know, he's an offensive-minded guy. It's sexy, it's exciting. And I think that's what the fans of the organisation, the city of Cincinnati needs. Yeah, I mean... What do you think? Personally, personally, I'm okay with it because of all those reasons. Because everyone's screaming for something new, something um, out of left field, something so far away from the Marvin Lewis yeah, yeah. kind of tenure, um, and they've got it. Now, obviously, they can't confirm anything, which is the frustrating thing. Hopefully, we're not going to be in a Josh McDaniels situation when he turn, when he returns around and kind of said, "Look, thanks, but no thanks." Actually, mm. um, that would be the nightmare scenario because pretty much every coordinator and head coaching candidate has been it must still be possible, mustn't it? Because you're not actually verbally allowed to agree anything. No, or no, it. that's it. I mean, so it's, not... it's interesting that because you know that Zach Taylor could just be like, you know what, the money's not good enough. Or I might yeah. stick around here and get a better. Or off he's next not going to get the power that he wants, the team yeah, building, roster, exactly. roster building power that he wants. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there was a report. No one's talked about that. No, I mean, well, there was a there was a shout saying that, um, or a uh, an article saying I think it might have been from Paul Dana, um, Junior, saying that you know they can't, they haven't even offered him the job yet because yeah. they can't because yeah, of the yeah, rules. Yeah. So. You were faced with a weird situation when the Rams were playing the Cowboys at the weekend. Do you want the Rams to win because you want to see Witt get yeah. through to his first Super Bowl? Or do you want the Rams to lose so all this Zach Taylor stuff can be confirmed straight away? It's it's a really weird one, isn't it? And, yeah. Um, but then just reading a tweet just before we came on air... Uh, Joe Goodbury uh, retweeted something from Jay Glazer, the Fox uh, Sports 
pundit, I guess you'd call him, or reporter or whatever. Analyst. Analyst, that's the American word, isn't it? Saying that um, actually the Bengals had pegged Zach Taylor a couple of years before, which would have made him really young, more or less a teenager, which would have been a bit weird. But um, <laughs> yeah, but so that's interesting. They had it. They had. They sort of targeted him a couple of years ago to take over from Marvin. A couple of years, is it? Yeah, say? yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you said a couple of weeks. No, a couple of years. <laughs> you're not going to your fact drops again, is it? <laughs> <laughs> they targeted him in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for weeks, yeah, this week. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of week you doing? My brain's not working. 17 <laughs> years ago. No, anyway. Um, so that's kind of interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, so they, they, you know, they, they've sort of... Well, I think, I think when you look at it, the Bengals are getting someone who not only should hopefully make the team better, but hopefully will make the product on the field a bit more exciting. I mean... If Marvin Lewis was your sort of Marks and Spencer's lingerie, <laughs> oh Zach God. Taylor's more your agent provocateur. You know what I mean? So well. we've got we've got someone now. I think even if he fails, I think the fans will just be like, "Well, it was an attempt. It was it was something different." And I think I think people will will warm to that. Really, yeah, you know. Um, but is he going to fail? Because there was a fantastic piece that, you know, as soon as the name Zach Taylor was mentioned, there was a clamour for, you know, information about this guy. A thirst for knowledge. A thirst for, for Zach Taylor <laughs> knowledge. Um, and there was a fantastic article that Andy Benoit wrote for uh, Sports Illustrated that uh, kind of chatted with Zach and his brother, Press. What a Press, Press Taylor. It sounds like the uh, sequel to Get Carter, doesn't it? Kind of, and now in cinemas, Press Taylor. Press Taylor. Yeah, what a, what an archetype. He could be our new offensive coordinator. Well, who knows? I mean, he's quarterback's coach in Philly at the moment, mm. isn't he? And he's the guy, apparently, that came up with the Philly special play yeah, in the Super yeah. Bowl. Um, so he comes from a family of footballing kind of coaching history. His father-in-law is Mike Sherman. Who wasn't a? Uh, He's a Green Bay Packers head coach. That's right. He had a couple of good years there, but he sort of regressed ever since a bit. Yeah, but anyway, so this article went in, and they kind of call him the next generation of coaching mm. in the NFL. You know, um, and everything that has come out since says that he's a quality guy. He's got a really unique way of connecting with players, mm. getting his ideas across. He didn't have a fantastic, of course, weirdly, and um, strangely. He took over from Bill Lazor when Bill Lazor yeah, left in the Dolphins yeah. in an interim kind of capacity um, and got some good production out of Ryan Tannehill, which sounds like a contradiction in terms. But, it, <laughs> it, you know, so everything that you read about Zach Taylor suggests that, you know, he has what it takes. And, you know, if you listen to Paul Downey Jr. and Fletcher Page over the Inquirer on their podcast, they suggest that maybe it's about two years before really he should have been a head coach so it's a bit early but we are where we are we're getting change we're changing sweeping through yeah i mean the it's corridors of paul brown stadium it is indeed and i think someone said the other day I, don't, I can't back this up off the top of my head but they were saying the other day that guys like mike tomlin i think they were saying john harbaugh both got breaks when they were very young and look where that ended up you know a super bowl each for them so you know, I, th- I think it's I think it's an exciting move by the Bengals. It's, it's extremely difficult from a fan's perspective to really know too much about Taylor and like you know how he is behind the scenes. Is he a good leader? Does age have a factor in the locker room? I'm a big believer in there is quite a lot of ageism out there, and some of the older players, you know, might look at him and be like, "Why are we respecting this guy?" You know, can he? You know, it's going to take a big personality for him to come in there. And really, sort of take that locker room by the scruff of the neck, because there's guys in that locker room that'll be older than him. Yeah, you know. So you, you know, for him, it's a big thing to come in there and you know gain the respect of the team. And you know, the team would have liked Marvin. A lot of them there would have been like, "Oh, why has Marvin been fired?" They've got a lot of loyalty there. So I think to come in after 16 years, you know, you're fresh, you're young, you're you, you know, you're creative. It's going to be an interesting task for him. And it could go spectacularly wrong. As I'm excited about it. I think everyone's excited about it. I think it's a fairly good hire. He doesn't come with a lot of baggage. He's got some ideas. It's offensive. But 
it could be spectacularly like a spectacular failure, a bit like um, who's the young coach we had back in the day? The Dave Shuler. Dave Shuler. I was doing a bit of research the other day, and you look at that. <laughs> and, Man alive. And it was, was a bad shocking. Time. He never coached again. Do you know what I mean? After that, it was pretty much him done. So, and he was a young, bright, offensive mind. I think he was even younger than Taylor when he got the job. Yeah, he was just after 14, I think. <laughs> no, but yeah, absolutely. He was doing his anyone, GCSEs. Anyone who lived through that early 90s period when Dave Shuler was hired will have very bad memories. And poor Dave Shuler, I think, you know, he's been marked with that forever. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. As you say, he didn't really coach after that, so it kind of finished him off. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's not just a head coach. So, I... I I'm excited by it. I am cautious about it. But ultimately, I'm excited about it. Because, like, it's not just the head coaching uh, appointment or kind of, you know, head coaching waiting scenario that has got me excited. It's the whole kind of way that the Bengals have parted company with... Yeah, the backroom. With the backroom staff, you know. Hugh went... um, as we discussed last week, Kyle Kasky went, Jonathan Hayes is gone. You know, all these guys that are bit ties to Marvin mm. is gone. So there is a real clean sweep of, of change happening. Yeah. And again, it's like, wow, this is kind of what we wanted. But it kind of makes me a bit nervous because, well, because, you know, because we can't get Zach Taylor in, we can't then start to build the team around him. Now, there's lots of speculation about will Zach Taylor need an older, more experienced guy as a coordinator or an assistant to help out? Yeah. I mean, what? what you, I mean, the Bengals were kind of after Gary Kubiak. But, he's, but that, they reckon that was for the Joe, if Joseph got the job, though, don't they? Really? Yeah, because he was... Well, you never know. He's, yeah. uh, Zach Taylor's got ties to Kubiak as well. Yeah, his son as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting across the league when you look at that because... You, it's so different how in the NFL you tend to go for guys that are sort of assistant coaches that like bringing them up rather than going for the experienced veteran because if if you look at some of the hires around the league you've got Freddie Kitchens never been a head coach before limited experience you've got Taylor for the Bengals you've got Matt Lefleur yes. who we spoke about last week you've got the guy that's going to the Dolphins you know limited experience from you know never been a head coach before I'm sure there's a few other guys whereas if you look at the Premier League sort of in English soccer you never see assistant managers getting plucked. You don't look at like Mike no. Phelan from Manchester United. If you, you know, if, if the job comes up and say, why don't we bring him in and be manager? It's a, it's a very interesting sort of philosophy, isn't it? That you know, you tend to sort of go after those proven managers in soccer, whereas in American football, you're far more likely to take a punt on an assistant. And it, it's interesting yeah. now because really Mike McCarthy didn't get a job. Jim Caldwell, I think, is going to get a job as coordinator, but not a head coach. And for someone like McCarthy, a Super Bowl winner who predominantly in Green Bay put up excellent stats he, you know he's been there a long time he's got great experience great win loss record he's got a Super Bowl guy can't get a job you know that to me that's quite baffling yeah but I think that's the way the NFL is I mean everyone is just seeing the way Mahomes for instance do you see mm. that game against oh, the Colts yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable everyone wants a piece of this free scoring yeah 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 uh, crazy blitzkrieg offense you know what i mean they yeah, don't yeah i completely agree they don't want old school they want the, the nfl is sort of is that naive though is that just sort of getting a bit caught up in in yeah, the trend probably, bit but of craze then, yeah probably and it goes the other way again in two or three years but it could be it could yeah. be like you know in a couple of years time some hotshot defensive coordinator will have figured out a way to stop all these cr- kind of crazy offenses. Like Sackville, do you know what I mean? Just and then like, yeah. suddenly it's like, right, we need a piece of that. And that's the way anything yeah, works. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. So, but at this moment in time, the NFL has just seemed to have taken a big jump over to the offensive side of things. Mm. And obviously some of the rules have helped. Yeah, for the TV ratings they needed. And they? the TV ratings, you know. So, I don't know. Um, it's interesting with Zach Taylor. The other question I would have had for Zach Taylor... Zach Taylor's appointment is his structure, his management, his kind of coaching team. Because obviously in in uh, in LA, Sean McVay calls the plays, the offensive plays, and he yeah. lets Wade Phillips, who is a very experienced, very good defensive coordinator. Yeah, he calls the plays on defense, but McVay calls the plays on offense, and he he doesn't employ a coordinator. He employs these 
kind of in-game assistance, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, passing yeah. assistance and running assistance, like Shane Waldron, who was also yeah. on the shortlist, yeah. is one of his assistants. Yeah. They don't call plays. A bit like Enemy in yeah. KC, you know, Andy Reid calls the offensive plays, but Enemy comes up with the game plans with him, Yeah, kind of does pretty much everything else an offensive coordinator should do. So I wonder whether people have been, again, feverishly chatting about who's going to be our offensive coordinator. Mm. What if that yeah. structure is replicated in Cincinnati? That's a good point. That's a very where, good point. Where, you know, um, Taylor might or may call the offensive plays. He was an offensive coordinator at the University of Cincinnati. Mm. He was interim offensive coordinator in Miami. So he has NFL and college play calling experience. Yeah. Uh, albeit limited, obviously. But you know what I mean? It's like, well, who's to say he's not going to replicate that in Cincinnati? Yeah, I think that's a very, very good point. I mean, if you're looking at sort of front runners for the OC job, if he wasn't to take that approach, I think Kubiak's out the running at the moment, isn't he? Which one? Gary. Well, he's gone to Minnesota. Yeah, so he's yeah. out the running. Um, I mean, it, to me, it's a difficult one in terms of the family connection because they talk about Mike Sherman as an um, offensive line coach potentially and um, Press Taylor potentially a candidate at offensive coordinator. But I think it's really risky, sort of the old like shit where you eat type thing, bringing in family members to do jobs because it's like, you know, it's a very difficult dynamic, isn't it, when you bring a family member in there? Does it sort of, you know, does it upset the balance a bit? Is it a bit of a sort of, you know, conflict of interest type thing? And it, it's a very difficult one, isn't it? Because on one hand, you've got the relationship there, you've got good communication, you know what you're dealing with. But then at the same time, is that are you giving preferential treatment to someone? And is it is that what you need in the organisation? And a certain other characters going to feel a little bit... You know, are people going to look at that and feel a little bit left out by it? It's like, you know what I mean? It's 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 difficult. It is difficult, but you. I mean, I mean, if they got their father-in-law in Mike Sherman, in that would be like a whole family affair. Well, that's what I mean. In some a new dynasty in Cincinnati, <laughs> ousting the Browns. Imagine. <laughs> But I don't know. It's a tough one. Isn't it? If it was me and I was head coach, I think I'd almost just want to go alone and sort of, you know, bring in people that are more business acquaintances than actual family members. Yeah, but what you a know. great! I mean, the, the media must be salivating at the prospect of like the the, the Taylor brothers going yeah. to Cincinnati, and uh, I would know. I wouldn't be against it as a fan. No, I don't no, no. think, but I think it, it's just mad risky, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it's it's a risk. We don't know how these these guys interview. We don't know what they're like in the locker room. You know, no. you saw that clip of Sean McVay when he handed Whitworth the the game ball. I don't know if you saw that. After no, I didn't the, see that. No. The energy of that guy is yeah, just. Yeah. I mean, he looked as though his eyes were popping out of his head. Yeah, yeah. The whole yeah. team were like complete. The, the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. It's just crazy. I know. I know they just want a playoff win, so they were hyped anyway. But yeah, that if we can just get a bit of that energy, that young intensity i think it'll be a good thing it has to be i think do you know what we want in my what opinion and i reckon this could be hugely unpopular because there's a lot of massive whitworth fans we really need the rams not to win the super bowl you you curmudgeonly my heartless man, man. You, you want taylor it. to be motivated you want him to be hungry you want a horrible loss again a really close loss against new orleans in the dome well it could happen it right? could easily happen and him to I mean, because the thing is as well, like selfishly, and I like Weir, he's a great guy, etc. He moved on. We need to get Taylor in. We need him to, you know, bring his staff in, get started and crack on. And if he wins the Super Bowl, you've got to almost think that from a motivation standpoint, it might not that he's not gonna be motivated, his first head coach job and everything else, but you want him to be chomping at the bit, pissed off that they're out of the Super Bowl, you know, they're out of the running and really coming hot. Or on the flip side of that, you want him to win because of that experience. He's dug deep. He's had to figure out a way to that's win. That's a good counter-argument there, that is. Oh, that's what it's a good counter-argument. So, you know, he arrives Touché. in Cincinnati with this massive bit of Super Bowl bling on his finger. And said, Marvin had that, didn't he? he I won. know how to win. I know how to make a team win the Super Bowl. Um I think I prefer that, to be honest with you. I yeah, no, you might Check be right. Just... But this is it, isn't it? We can't really talk about it. We don't know the guy. We don't know enough There's not about... many interviews of him. No, You can't get too much... You know, I looked around, you can't get too many clips of him being interviewed. He's a... Well, funny enough, on next week's podcast, <laughs> we'll have his first... Ex... No, no. Um, but yeah, we must talk about the coach. The big... Obviously, we talk, talked about the, the coaches, and there's a clean sweep there as well. People getting 
fired or let go or whatever, however you want to call it. Mm. But uh, another surprising one was Frank Pollack. And, yeah. Um, uh, he did pretty well last year, I think, with what he so had. So difficult to say, isn't it? Well, you look at um, uh, 4.69 yards per ca- per attempt was the most by the Bengals since 1989. Mm. Um, it was the and also the largest largest year over year jump in franchise history. Now. He tore up the the kind of scheme and went to more sort of his style of 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 uh, I think it was zone blocking. Mm. So it did work, and also got the the AFC's leading rusher out of it. You know, some of that success can be attributed both to Cole Kasky, yeah, the true. player himself, yeah, yeah. and also Bill Lazor with the scheme as well, right? Yeah, so, true. You know, so true, it's not true. just. And you look at what Pollack had to work with. I think he did pretty well. But, you know, Joe Mixon tweeted out saying, why would you... Sure, let's just let the best uh, offensive line coach in the NFL go. And... um, That's poor from Mixon. Yeah, it wasn't the best, but he he soon... Immature. Soon deleted the... That's what I mean, uh, you're on this train and it's this, you know, immature train. um, Yes, we're not going to go there. But uh, (laughs) he was the AFC... I told you, from now on, you've got to call Joe Mixon the AFC leading rusher for 2018. <laughs> yeah, I've got to refer to him each time. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. It wasn't the most, it wasn't the best. No, I mean... But he was frustrated. He's got a point, though. He's like, got a point. You know, those yeah, guys yeah. build relationships with, with coaches, yeah. and, and he has got a point. Why would you let it go? Until our special guest tonight, which is uh, WLWT Cincinnati's Elise Jesse, who's been breaking all the scoops recently... Um, she tweeted out today that actually Frank Pollock left under his own steam. He resigned, I guess, because yeah, yeah. he's going to have some opportunities. So there's a big gaping hole for a um, a new offensive line coach, which is kind of crucial, really. And um, a couple of names have been kind of tossed around. Bill Callahan from the Redskins, who I'd love. I think he's yep. up there with Pollock as one of the better offensive line coaches in the NFL. And even Mike Sherman, who, yeah, yeah. who we mentioned earlier. So... I'm a bit nervous because it just seems the more coaches go off the board, the less that we we have to kind of choose from, which is like an obvious thing to say, but yeah. it's kind of like, man, I need this sorted out now, you know? The longer this goes on, the speculation yeah. continues. Everyone's in the dark. But yes, I'm a bit worried about the whole coordinator thing or what you know the coaching staff thing. Mm. But again, the flip side to that is... You know, the fact that they are getting rid of loads of people surely means they have people in mind. Yeah. And Zach Taylor's surely kind of said to these guys, these are the these are the people that I want to fill these holes. Mm. So, yes, it's a worry only because, you know, nothing's happening at the moment and nothing can happen. Yeah, yeah. But equally, if you look at perhaps the reasons why they've done what they've done, it's like, actually, okay, just calm down. You know, these are the roles that they, yeah, yeah, Taylor yeah. wants. So, you know, it's all good. It's all good. So. Do you want self selfishly or how do you, do you want the Rams to win it? Do you want them to be dumped out this weekend? What's your thoughts on that? I'm torn. I'd love to see. The outpouring of, of respect and love for Whitworth was amazing after. Uh, and yeah, he, yeah. He, was, he was on it during that game as well, what I saw. He's such a good player and he's still. Still. I mean, we, I mean it. I mean, we've said it before, but we screwed up monumentally yeah. when we let him go. That's like monumentally um, letting Pat Mahomes go for Driscoll, isn't it? No. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? Isn't it? Well, the difference between Whitworth and Mabwehi, um, if they were playing quarterback. Well, we'll be talking about free agency in the next couple of weeks, but um, uh, you wouldn't imagine a boy is going to be around. God, he's no way. Jake Fisher, I might keep just for a backup. Yeah, maybe, but, yeah. You know, a push, but he was really poor last year. Um, so, yeah, all that to come in future free agency. But now, um, as I mentioned a bit earlier, we have uh, an excellent special guest, so let's bring her in. And now we have direct from the Queen City, and I think it's a very snowy, frigidly cold Queen City <laughs> at the moment. Emmy award winning sports broadcaster for WLWT. Uh, and if you've been following her on Twitter at Elise underscore Jesse WLWT this past week, you know that she is an absolute must follow. Um, it's Elise Jesse. Elise, welcome to Cincinnati. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yes, it's very snowy, very cold, and I think we're going to be hit with more snow this weekend, unfortunately. Oh, really? Now, I've only been to Cincinnati either when it's been really hot or when it's been cold but not <laughs> snowing. So what's the city like? Uh, because over here in the UK, as soon as there's like a little flurry of snow, <laughs> the whole infrastructure breaks down. Everyone kind of... Trains don't work, cars don't work. Pure chaos. Pure chaos. It's like, you know, kind of... I don't know. It's like... Uh, Armageddon. Some, some sort of apocalyptic movie or something like that. What What's it like in Cincinnati when that happens? <laughs> So the day before a big snowstorm or when it just starts to snow, um, people race to the grocery stores <laughs> to make sure that they get their bread and their milk. So those places are packed, completely packed with, with people. Um, and then they have this uh, like beet juice solution, something like that, that they put on the roads to treat it before it snows Okay. Um, so that the snow melts, I guess. And then um, all of our people that work the plows and stuff like that have to work 12-hour cycles right, okay, um, well. to make sure all the roads are plowed. But people lose their minds. They completely freak out, <laughs> especially if it's cold and there's supposed to be snow and also freezing rain. Oh, okay, then people well. really lose their minds. Then they just act like it's the end of the world. Good. It's not just us then. That's that's good to know. <laughs> that's good to know. Um, now, listen, yeah. Elise, I, I mentioned earlier that... Um, You've been at the heart of the action with some amazing scoops. You know, you've been you've been kind of tweeting out, you know, the kind of the coaching comings and goings. Well, it's mostly goings, really, uh, this past week. Right. Uh, and I'm interested. How 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 do you get the? I'm not asking you for your sources. Don't worry. Um, I'm I'm interested in the in the in the process before we actually talk about the 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 kind of coaching uh, comings and goings. Uh, talk about how do you get a scoop? I mean, in the old days, I guess you'd meet in a like all the president's men. You'd meet someone in a in a deserted kind of <laughs> underground parking lot, and uh, a ma- you know a man with a smoking cigarette, and kind of talk about in very hushed voices about what's happening. But I'm guessing it's just like you've got your person on the inside or wherever it might be, and you you know kind of they text you or whatever, email you or whatever, right? Yeah, um, definitely not email, but we certainly um, go back and forth via, it's definitely a phone call if they feel like the um, information is sensitive and they don't want, because nowadays people can just screenshot stuff, you know? So if it's very um, secret information, they definitely don't want their name out there, stuff like that, they'll usually give me a call. Right. right, Um, right. Otherwise, they'll text me. Um, And it's actually funny because when I think back to, I came in, obviously, in the Marvin Lewis era, so this upcoming season will be my seventh season. Mm -hmm. Um, He was always nice to me, like he would smile and say hi, but he didn't actually, I don't think he actually learned my name until (laughs) season two or three, maybe. Right, right. Um, And I knew that he was, like, I basically earned his trust or, um, like, earned respect from him when he sent me an email ran. I didn't even know he had my email address. Right. But sent me an email and at this time I mean and it just said, Hi Elise, I respect the way you do your job. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> that's all it said. <laughs> and I go, All right, that's, that's uh that's that's, interesting, okay? That's good to know, yeah. Good to know. <laughs> so from then on, my thing is like I don't I don't go out to bars with coaches. I don't meet people ask I don't even text back anybody after ten PM um, that's just one of my kind of rules because it's respectful to my husband. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just, you talk to people and you get their phone numbers. And I mean, the biggest thing for me is treating them like human beings. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> that usually goes a, a pretty long way. Yeah, pe- um, instead of treating that. them like a sound bite or treating mm. them like, uh, they're a source of information, actually learning about them and, um, learning about their lives and stuff really goes a long way. And I think that's what you did actually really well. Um, when you tweeted about people losing their jobs, you always kept that human perspective, right? You People like Kyle Kasky, who d- does a lot in the community and is well-loved by his players and by the mm-hmm. fans, actually. It wasn't just like, oh, my yeah. God, Kasky's gone. It's like, Kyle Kasky's been let go. It's such a shame. It's You know, you did it in the right way, I think. Well, and you have to think that, um, I mean... 
the Bengals, Bengals fans are not used to what is happening right now. And we've seen it before. Like when a head coach gets fired, usually his entire staff is fired as well. Um, because a new head coach obviously wants to come in and they have their own guys that they trust and they want their own guys in different uh, various positions. Um, and they typically don't want to have the previous coach who was loyal to the former head coach mm. to now be working under them. Um, and so that's always been something that I think the rest of the league has seen, but Cincinnati Bengals haven't seen that. Um, and especially the coaches, I think the coaches were in limbo for about 10 days because Marvin Lewis um, and the Bengals parted ways. And then 10 days later, uh, these assistant coaches are having meetings with the Brown family and basically finding out their fate. Mm. Um, and with the Brown family being known for keeping on coaches, for example, they kept Paul Alexander here in Cincinnati for 21 seasons. Mm. Um, and so they were kind of wondering, you know, maybe the Browns will still keep me on. The Brown family will keep me on. Um, or maybe I have to reach out to my other contacts and find another job. So, and you think about that, a lot of them have kids and a lot of them have wives and girlfriends and fiancés, and they have to break the news to their family. Hey, I just lost my job. We're going to have to move. Um, absolutely. And um, as I say, I think you did that really, really well. You got the balance just right when you're kind of breaking all that crazy news about Hugh and Kyle Kasky and Jonathan Hayes and all those guys. Um just leading on from what you were saying there, Elise, um, were, were you surprised by the whole... I mean, it's not an entire clean house because there are still some guys left. Uh, Van Pelt's right. still there uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Bob Bicknell's still there, I believe. Some guys on the defence mm -hmm. are still there. Um, but were you surprised at the extent of um, the kind of uh, the, the, the coaches that were let go? I was. I think I was. Okay, so I was surprised by Jonathan Hayes um, because you think about what adversity his position room actually went through. So you lose Tyler Eifert. Um, you lose Tyler Croft. So then you have to make sure that C.J. Uzama is developed enough um, to go out into games and be productive for, hot, for high reps in the NFL and in, in these games. So he's working tirelessly to make sure that that happens. And then you have Kyle Kasky who was able, I mean, Joe Mixon of course is a talent all by himself, but he has to develop Joe Mixon um, into the player that he was this past season. Granted the Bengals had a terrible season, but when you think about Joe Mixon leading the AFC North and rushing yards, um, I'd say that's pretty impressive. So I don't think he was expecting to be let go. And uh, I think uh, that was something that surprised me. Mm. But I also understand that when a new coach comes in, I mean, when these guys interview with the bank, with the Brown family, the Brown family is going to ask them that head coach, who do you want as your offensive coordinator? Who do you want as your defensive coordinator? Who do you see as being your running backs coach? And this head coach very likely already has, his staff in place. Mm. He's already talked to his guys and, you know, has what he wants ready to go. Um, Elise, talk, sort of following on from that a little bit, I guess, um, what has been the reaction of the players with the news coming out with this? I mean, I, obviously, you know, a lot of the players will have certain loyalties to some of the positional coaches. How, how have they taken the news? Have you got any sort of um, understanding of, you know, how the, what the reaction's been there? Has it been a bit of a negative one or a positive one? Um, well, I can't talk about the conversation specifically, um, but I have had conversations with different players and a lot of them um, that I've talked to were surprised and they weren't happy. Um, and then from my standpoint, I just kind of told them like, listen, I don't know. I know that you aren't used to this, but in the NFL, coaching, coaching changes happen quite frequently. Um, and the only person that you can rely on is yourself. So you need to use this offseason to get in the best shape of your life and stop worrying about that. You need to make sure that you're ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, because um, players do build up, especially with position coaches, a very tight bond, oh, yeah. right? So you looked at Joe Mixon's tweet that was quickly deleted yesterday about uh, Frank Pollack and you broke the news today that Pollack walked under his own steam so he more or less resigned mm -hmm. I guess um, so you know Joe's reaction was an emotional reaction because he obviously kind of saw the offensive line improve to the extent that he became the AFC's leading rusher this year right, right. so um, right 
But then you, I, th- I think, I think it's the same thing with fans. We were a lot of fans were screaming for change for so long, and now we get mm-hmm. wholesale change, and it kind of like as you you kind of alluded to earlier, it makes us a little bit nervous because it's like we're not used to this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like it's it's exciting but there's an element of caution there as well because the Bengals just don't do this or haven't done this for 16 years you know yeah I mean you kind of get used to the way that things are have been done for the last 16 years um and I think that I think that fans if they're feeling apprehensive about Zach Taylor coming in um I think that that is valid because when you think about Zach Taylor he doesn't have a whole lot of experience um, I know he was an interim offensive coordinator at one point, and then he was the offensive coordinator at the college level under Tommy Tuberville here at UC. Mm. Um, but he's not, he's not a proven head coach. Sure. So the Bengals are taking a huge risk on this, but it's also a risk that I think needed to be taken. I mean, you, as you just said, Bengals fans have been crying for change for so many years, and now they are finally getting one of the biggest changes that I think this franchise has seen in a couple decades. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, as I say, it's exciting, but there's an element of caution uh, uh, as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, what what do you think will happen next? What's next? What's the next thing to happen, do you think? Well, as you know, with the NFL rules, of course, the Bengals can't negotiate a deal with Zach Taylor right now. Um, but he's certainly the front runner and he's the one that the Bengals want. So unless he pulls a Ben... Um, unless he just says, you know what, I don't want to go to the Bengals, which I don't think he's going to do that. Um, I think that he will be named the next head coach, and I think we're going to have a press conference, and we're going to meet him and all that jazz, and then he's going to start naming who um, will be on his staff. So I think whenever the Rams, if the Rams go all the way to the Super Bowl, it could be until you know February 5th before the mm-hmm. Bengals name him as head coach. Man, if the Rams are knocked one. out of the playoffs early, then it could be the Monday after. Right. Um, so it's definitely like a few weeks where it's just a bunch of unknowns at this point. Absolutely. Um, just one one thing before I pass it over to Nathan again. The, the, one of your tweets, I think, one of the more interesting aspects of this whole head coach search is something that you tweeted out when um, uh, last week. Um about the fact that it was Troy and Katie who made this call. Can mm-hmm. you elaborate on yeah. that at all? Or uh, what, what, what was the deal there? Um, Troy, and I do know for a fact that Troy and Katie were the ones who made the call about wanting Zach Taylor and being um, progressive with that and going with what the league is kind of trending towards now, which is hot, young, offensive-minded coaches. Okay, Hmm. and I think they were kind of coming from that situation where they're like, listen, we have to evolve. We have to stay with the times. Um, And I think they were the ones calling for that move. And I believe that uh, Mike Brown said, all right, I mean, this is going to be your team to run at some point. So you might as well start making those calls and go ahead and take the risk. But my my thinking is that he said, take the risk. But if this fails, it's on you. Um, Elise, going back slightly to what you were talking about before about the uh, members of staff that Taylor might bring in, is that something that he's able to sort of um, speak to potential coaches around the league about? I mean, is he allowed to sort of reach outside of the organization um, while still employed by the LA Rams and say to, you know, potentially like his brother Press or someone like that, look, if I get the Bengals job, you know, could you come and be my offensive coordinator? Are those conversations allowed to take place prior to um, the formal offering of the job? Or how, how does that work exactly? I mean, the NFL can't control a coach from calling up his buddy that he's known for 10 years and asking him if he got the head coaching job, could he come with him? The NFL doesn't have control over that. Um, granted, it's all like a verbal conversation. They're not going to have anything in writing yet. That's what they can't do. What they can't do is have something in writing. They can't have a contract in place um, and things like that. But from my understanding of how I've seen this work um, for years, usually – these coaches have other, you know, close friends in the industry that they would like to work with, that they think um, has the same mindset, think theories on coaching that go along with theirs, and that's why they would choose them. 
this is all fantastic insight, uh, Elise. Now, uh, but whenever we have a guest uh, on the show, I like to do a bit of research. And, you know, I met you in London at the Bengals pub. Um, yes. And uh, it's great to actually speak to you again two years later. We're hoping for another Bengals trip over this year. So who knows? But it's been quite a year for you because you've become a mom for the first time. And if anybody follows Elise on Instagram, there's fantastic shots of you and your daughter. Because you take your... Um, your daughter to, you. to kind of like uh, on assignment w- almost pretty much, don't you? But um, <laughs> there was there was one particular uh, YouTube clip um, where you were in studio and you rustled up something like in a kind of a, a, a food kind of cooking segment. OK, I think you cooked some uh, jalapeno wraps or something like that live on air. And of course, we're a pro- yeah. I, I know that you're thinking, God, where's this guy going with this? But. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's nothing bad. Super Bowl is coming up. Uh, what is Elise Jesse making or eating for Super Bowl snacks in a couple of weeks' time? Well, I do work every Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, okay, I will say that. Um, but usually, so a big popular dish or appetizer here, um, those were just, you know, hors d'oeuvres that I was making that would be quick mm-hmm. and last minute. Um, like pizza roll-ups are pretty easy. Um, but buffalo chicken dip is really, really big here, or skyline dip is pretty big here, where it's yeah. just cream cheese at the bottom. You take shredded chicken, and you mix it with buffalo wild wing sauce, and um, cream cheese goes on the bottom. The chicken mixture goes over that, and then you put cheese on top. You bake it at 350 for 20 minutes, um, add some chips, and that's usually the really big thing here at Cincinnati, okay. what people like to eat. There you go. We're going to have to get our Cincinnati snack game on, I think, for the Super Bowl. Absolutely. <laughs> Elise, in the UK, we we love a good um, we love a good beer, and we do drink a lot, probably more than we should over in London. Um, on the podcast, we like trying out sort of different craft beers, and we've spoken to a few people in the Cincinnati press about different um, different sort of beers of choice that they like out there. Um, what is or at least Jesse's drink of choice? Have you got any sort of particular beers that you're into? Trying to think. I had, um, well, I mean, Blue Moon is my top beer. Classic. I'm going to drink any type of beer. Um, Blue Moon is my number one. I don't go really into the craft beers as much as everybody else. Um, and that's mainly because, mainly because this year, obviously, I'm working on getting back to my pre-baby weight. So that's kind of the goal now. <laughs> um, but I drink, I drink a lot of, my really big drink that I'm into is rum and coke. That's one of my go-tos. Ah, you, and me um, both. you and me both. Rum and coke is definitely, and it's if it's cherry rum, that's even better. Ooh. It just tastes like a cherry coke. Oh my goodness me, that's danger. That's got danger written <laughs> and on it. And I actually, <laughs> I was a bartender for five years in college. Ah. So mixed drinks for me are something that I like to make because it's just something that I've done for so long and I t- I have fun with it. Well, I think we're going to come out for a pint, or not a pint, but uh, a rum and coke. <laughs> Cherry really rum and coke, yeah. Elise, listen, thank you. Definitely we, should. We, uh, we've taken up too much of your time already, but thank you so much, A, for the amazing scoops last week. Uh, keep on with that. We And if you don't follow you. Elise, you really should, uh, at Elise underscore Jesse, W-L-W-T, at, on Twitter. And uh, Elise, thank you so much. Stay warm. I will. Thank you so much for having me on. It was great to talk to you guys again. Well, that was Elise Jesse and uh, some fantastic insights there. And um, I think some, yeah, just some fantastic insights on on the whole kind of sources and journalism. And insider knowledge. Insider you know. knowledge. And as I say, Elise was absolutely on fire last week with scoop after scoop. It was really great um, to watch her do that. And uh, fair play to her. Yeah, absolutely, and some exciting drink recipes coming out there. You know, the, oh, the cherry rum and I've coke. Never, I'm, I'm a bit of a rum and coke. Yeah, yeah, a fan. Starting to get sort of into different rums and whatnot. Um, so cherry rum. Hello. I know. I'm having get a, a bottle of that in there when you uh, when we're starting drinking again in February. We get a bottle of that in. Go through it. Goodness me, I'm going to have to ask Elise <laughs> what what cherry rum she's talking about. Um, Who do you reckon her sauce is? Oh, Can we knows? speculate about it? Mike though? Brown. <laughs> you don't know, do you? <laughs> you just don't know. It could be, but it, it, it just fascinates me. As a, you know, I don't know if anybody knows, but I'm I'm a journalist here in the real world, so I don't I don't 
write about anything as important as, as what Elise does or any kind of you know world changing events but it's uh, it does fascinate me the whole kind of source and journalist mm. relationship especially in this era of fake news and all that yeah. kind of business um anyway probably not fascinating any other people out there but it fascinates <laughs> me and the yeah, fact that you know that this this source kind of sent her an email saying yeah i know it almost kind of between between the lines it's kind of saying i know who you are and you do a good job so it's almost like that person was telling Elise, like, yeah, you're good. I yeah, can yeah, trust yeah, you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but who knows the sort? It could be someone in the PR department. It could be someone in the personnel department. It yeah. could be someone higher up. You yeah. just don't know, do you? Very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But certainly reliable source, whoever it is. Cause, well, uh, she was one of the first people to break it, wasn't she? Well, actually, do you know what? Nothing has been confirmed yet. True. Yeah, <laughs> you true, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because yeah, they yeah. can't say anything. No, no, true. But that was great insight. I mean, the fact that, you know, some of the players weren't happy, uh, but at least made a really valid point that, you know, don't get all Baker Mayfield on this. It's like, you know, these this sort of thing yeah, happens yeah. all the time. It's just that not necessarily the Bengals because they've up until this point they valued continuity yeah um so and if i was a player i'd be like okay yeah you know i i kind of you know, a bit jittery because all all these guys that I, I work with who are fantastic um are gone so what happens next i don't know what but actually it's kind of the same for the fans we should be excited about this yeah it's the nature of any job isn't it I mean, wherever you work personally you know you have situations where managers leave employees leave staff members leave it's volatile you know you Absolutely. go from job to job and you know it's adaptable isn't it i mean some people you get the best out of you some don't um some you get the best out of them and you know it's, it's an interesting one and uh, it's a bit like you and me nathan i like <laughs> to think that i i get the best out of you absolutely mate and, yeah, yeah. Uh, it hasn't worked frankly so far so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had a cincinnati change of staff like both of us are fired and we had two people. I mean, luckily in. we're our own bosses here, uh, unless the fans speak. Unless the fans speak, we get they Actually, can don't out. speak, fans. Please can don't. You imagine we Listeners got, we got don't. Like, pressure. Like the fans were like, one of them's got to go. One of them's like got one to of go. us got to vote it out. Well, it's not Big Brother. Anything. Simon like comes in and replaces one of us. <laughs> Simon actually was very good, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, uh, glossing over that because we don't. We want to keep this going, me and Nathan, for as long <laughs> as possible. Um, I must say, Nathan, you, you've walked in here with your suit. Obviously, you come straight from work, so this is not an unusual thing. Uh, walking in here in a suit, Just getting get ready in a suit for every Cincinnati episode. You <laughs> yeah. never know, dear. You? you never get know. Dressed up to the nines. Got some great guests on. At least so Jess got to, is on. Got to impress her. But Nathan's wearing his bow tie today. I love a bow tie. I'm, I'm passionate. A bit like Dehani Jones. He ah. was on back in the day. He was like bringing the bow tie back. His massive bow tie affectionado. And I think they're so smart. They're a bit bit different. I don't wear them every day, but now and again, like you once, look a bit Doctor Hirish. Once or twice say. a week, you just roll them out. A bit of a you know, a bit of a different piece. A bit different piece. It's different. A bit more exciting, isn't it? A bit it's more accessory. If you've got a big meeting, I tend not to wear them <laughs> in case the. Uh, Have you ever been to a big meeting? You've worn your bow tie. Yeah, tie it and it went like, quite badly. Actually. What the hell is that? No, no one's ever said that. It's it's interesting though, but you, you don't want to wear it to the wrong meetings. You get the wrong geezer in there, and you just think you're a twat. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Well. Um, be interesting to find out our listeners' uh, opinion on bow ties, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? Sure, it would. So yeah, I'm yeah. grasping now, aren't I? But, uh, <laughs> but we do have some correspondence. As ever, you can get us at Today U. What is it? Today underscore UK. UK. I even forgot it there. Today underscore UK. We've been going great guns on Twitter uh, since the turn of the year, and just before, with obviously all the news about Marvin, we post up some. We post up some really cool videos. We're going to be doing more of that kind of stuff over the over the coming months. Obviously, we've got uh, free agency and draft season coming up, which is always very exciting. Uh, and also, crucially, and uh, more importantly, we have your correspondence as well. And um, let's kick off. Uh, ben Wintle at oh my god, he's changed his. Has he? It was at Shabba Dabba. I used to love Shabba Dabba. <laughs> I don't, right, okay, it's at me underscore Lamo underscore Shaggy. Me Lamo Shaggy. No, what, it's not does, a solid does, handle. He's gone from a solid handle to, to a bit of a weak handle. Oh, a weak handle. Ben, what's happening? 
Sort it out, Ben. Uh, first, we do appreciate your correspondence, obviously. But uh, <laughs> first, a quick one. What happens first? Spurs win the league or Bengals win a championship? Secondly, am I the only one worried about losing Pollack and our coaching staff? It does make me worry that Frank didn't want to stick around. What does he know? We don't. First question, Spurs win the league before the Bengals win the Super Bowl. That's a... Ch- well... Mm. I reckon the Spurs have got a good chance in the next five years. You know, I reckon they've got a very, very good team. If Pochettino sticks around, I reckon there's a very good chance in the next five years they'd certainly have a you know fifty-fifty shot of winning it. Um, moving on to the next point about the staff, I, I think Frank, Frank Pollock's got a bit of a. He's, I mean, cause, because he was at Dallas and they had a great offensive line, they also had some very good talent on that line that he was working with, and he's come over to the Bengals working with not a lot of talent. And I know you were quoting those stats earlier about the run game improving, but that's a tangible lot. Exp- uh, improvement. So I do, I think he has. But then look at all the penalties though, and like individually. If you look at the players on the line that have actually sort of, you know, exceeded expectations coming into the year, none of those guys really came along. Abway, he didn't come along. I don't really think Trey Hopkins came along. Westerman didn't get any playing time. So it's difficult to say throughout the year if any of those guys are that much better off from a coaching standpoint than they were at the start of the year. So I I think it's very difficult to grade Pollock. I'd give him a B, B plus. Give him a solid B, would you? Good old B. Uh, Bengals UK underscore blog at Bengals UK blog. Um, Solid handle. It is. Again, does what it says on the tin. That's what it it? says on the tin. Uh, Realistically, are the Bengals going to look at moving on from Dalton or will they stay loyal and hope a supporting cast can elevate him? Don't answer that yet. Um, Jamie at Trequart Beaster. Hello, uh, Jamie. What do you make of the Goodbury idea to cash in on Dalton? And have a stopgap QB in. I can see some merit in it. Reckon a few teams would part with a first for him. Um, Duncan Price at Dastardly Duncan. Carolina are considering resting Cam for a year. Wild speculation. And need a good backup anyway. Would you ship Dalton there for picks and use them to move up the draft for a QB? Or do we stand packed with Andy? Just a hypothetical. And those, those rumours are going about been going around about what's Cam the Cam Newton one? I'm not read into it just yet so but if anybody's out there and um, apparently there's a chance that they might be resting him for a year or, or something like that which beggars belief frankly but um but this is the big question that seems to be there was a, a weird tweet that went around yesterday uh, I think someone from the NFL network I can't remember his name putting something out about the idea um that Tannehill could come across the Bengals because Zach Taylor has worked with him before. Okay. Now, obviously, you know, coaches like to bring in who they've worked for before. So, but this this sounded like a couple of weeks. And, of course, Bengals' Twitter verse has gone completely nuts with us, this mm. idea about the, the fact of shipping in Dalton. Sorry, shipping out Dalton for picks and then getting in Tannehill, who you know depending on who the head coach is going to be in Miami whether you know I'm not quite sure where at what stage Tannehill is at in contract wise but surely he would command some picks anyway so I don't know but I get the idea it's this whole idea of of shipping Dalton out for picks and starting to rebuild in that way Uh, a lot of people are asking about that I'm undecided I think I'm leaning towards starting afresh at quarterback next year, uh, whether that be through the draft or through uh, you know free agency or whatever it might be. Um, Nathan, what do you think about that? I, I would at least give Dalton a year. With uh, I mean, I think if you look at the... It's very interesting looking at the draft order in terms of you know what you potentially get if you just stayed put at 11 because in the top five, there's not really any teams that need a quarterback. There's arguably Oakland that might, with Mike Mayock as a new GM there, potentially look to, you know, draft their quarterback of the future if they don't think Derek Carr's their guy. Other than that, you've got the Giants and the Jags before us that are obvious quarterback needy teams. So, you know, if an amazing pick fell to the Bengals, you know, one of these like Haskins or Kyler Murray or Drew Locke, potentially, if any of them were there at 11, it might be tempting. I certainly wouldn't trade up. I don't think it's worth, you know, giving up half your draft and potentially a pick next year for a guy that 
you know, would have to be elite, really, because you've got a guy in Dalton who's average, you know, maybe above average. He's certainly played above average before and had seasons that, you know, he was arguably a top 10 quarterback. So you're really like betting the house on this guy being elite if you're going to give that up and you're going to get rid of Dalton and you're going to entertain any of these, you know, ideas around bringing like a stopgap quarterback like Tannehill in. So I would definitely, you know, give Dalton a year under Taylor. I mean, I think one of the things Taylor sold himself on to the front ownership and the front office is the fact that he thinks he can get the best out of someone like Andy Dalton. Because you look what he did with Jared Goff. He came in there and, you know, Jared Goff wasn't looking that great. And now he's playing serious football. And I think he's going to hopefully be this like quarterback guru, get the best out of Dalton, hopefully turn him into sort of a top 10 quarterback and then build some pieces around him. Because, you know, Dalton has had a rough go of it. He's had a couple of injuries. There's been a lot of injuries around him from a talent perspective. And I think give him a year with the right pieces and, you know, a new coach, new offensive coordinator, and I think he could flourish. I I come at it from a slightly different angle. I agree with you. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing awful about Dalton, but if we're seeing this, like complete sea change in the Bengals are doing things uh, that they just don't do right and haven't done for a long long time mm. but at some stage they're going to have to draft a quarterback now Dalton was in the second round never been elite but he's you know that 2015 season he was certainly playing at a top eight level even you know but it's you know he's not been consistently at that yeah, level, yeah, I yeah, think. yeah 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 people want him to people want the team rather to to get someone in that again is going to fire the fan base up, yeah, and make the Bengals fun to watch again. I, I put out a, a retweeted a video of Jeff Blake today, the the, the Bengals nine, quarterback in the nineties when everything was going well. Actually, he had a couple of really good receivers, and he had an arm like a, an, like a traction engine. It was unbelievable. <laughs> he threw some beautiful passes to Darnay Scott and Carl Pickens. Now, obviously, quarterbacks changed, I and mean, he was very much a, a pocket quarterback who just slung it down the field. Um, the, the the trend now is for a mobile quarterback that can do kind of you know Swiss Army knife sort of quarterback. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. You know, Kyler Murray is that kind of guy. Dwayne Haskins not quite as much as that, but he is a mobile quarterback. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, so I don't know, uh, Brian Williams, that flying Brian, eighty-six. Oh, that's got to be a solid handle, isn't it? Uh, I'd like to tr- to see them trade up to get QB. Thoughts. Also, do you fellas plan on visiting Cincy someday? Um, the last part of that question. Yes, um, yes, I, I do plan on coming back to Cincy again. You've never been, have you? No, I've never been. I've seen the Bengals in the US a couple of times. I saw them in San Diego, saw them in San Francisco, and saw them in New York. Um, but I've never actually seen them in Cincinnati, so I do desperately need to get out there. But that uh, Wow Air flight's kaput now, isn't it? The one, yeah, the Wow Air. So it's it's, it's kind you've of... got to sort of figure it out a bit. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I do really plan on getting out there for sure. But I, I again, going back to Bengals UK blog as well. I think they are looking because you know his contract's up in a year or so's time. Mm. So if they weren't looking at, at kind of replacing him or upgrading or whatever you want to call it they're mad basically yeah yeah you've got to keep your eye on the quarterback apparently the the class the next year's quarterback class coming out of college is an absolutely you know humdinger Mm. a a golden gasser um so do you go for someone this year do you trade up again it's a very un-bengals like thing to do but Nothing actually would surprise me this year. Yeah, whether it's right or wrong is another discussion. But the way things are going in Cincinnati, nothing would surprise me. Well, in fact, that would surprise me perhaps the most. Actually. Yeah, I agree. I think if they did it and they said, you know what, we're done with Dalton, we're getting rid of him, and we'll talk about it in a second. One thing I wanted to ask you is about who potentially could trade for Dalton. We'll talk about that in a second. But I think if the Bengals were to do it you'd have a good chance of selling out the first home game. If you went and got a Kyler Murray or someone like that, or Haskins, plugged them in, said, you're starting week one, you know, you had a good preseason, you know, you'd look quite exciting. They got a few free agency pieces, Taylor's head coach. I think you'd sell the first game out. And I think that's more than anything what the Bengals front office wants to do. They want to energize the fan base that I think really sent a very strong message to the front office at the end of last season with those empty seats. 
No, I agree. And you look at what's happening in Cincinnati. Uh, MLS is coming to Cincinnati yeah. this year, so they've got competition with that. That's a good point, actually. The Reds have made some big, bold moves. That's another good point. You know, so everyone's competing for the dollar, for the sports fan for dollar. For the dollar. Um, so, you know, the Bengals traditionally love the kind of quiet, slow building, the non-flashy continuity draft and develop. Yeah, yeah. Which they still can. Yep. But I think they just need to be a bit more aggressive. I'm leaning, but, you know, what happens, for instance, I am leaning towards Dalton, maybe, for them moving on with Dalton, because you never know what Zach Taylor's going to want. Um, What happens if a Tannehill comes to Cincinnati? What happens if a Blake Bortles comes to Cincinnati? (laughs) Do you know what I mean, though? Yeah. It's like, that's, it's like, oh, you're almost like, right, okay, next year. I don't understand what you're solving by that, though. But why wouldn't you just use Dalton as that bridge quarterback? Well, that's that's that would be the counter argument. Because Dalton, Dalton, you know, Joe Goodbury tweeted something out, didn't he, about uh, you know, kind of comparing Tannehill and Dalton's stats, mm. and they're more over the past. Dalton's sort of, slightly like, better, slightly better, but it's it's very very yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's whether I don't know. I I I I'd be inclined to either draft a quarterback if someone is there at eleven. I doubt if they if they trade up. And you never know, but you know what you know what the draft's like. Everyone loses their heads and starts drafting quarterbacks left, right, and centre. Yeah. So it's a tricky one. Who going back to what I was saying? Who would you think would be a trade partner for Dalton? Because I just can't see it. I think if you're sitting there as the Bengals saying, you know, we're not going to make the player, we're not winning the Super Bowl with Dalton, he's not good enough. Who who's in the market for? And I think the same applies to Joe Flacco. Who's in the market for a quarterback on the back nine? That's never really... I mean, you could argue with Flacco, potentially, because he won a Super Bowl, but has never really been in that upper echelons of talent, you know, of quarterbacks. So why would you give up someone for that? Who's good, who are they... Which franchise is going to say, I want a Joe Flacco or Andy Dalton to be my quarterback, unless it's for a year or two stopgap? I think that's all they can sort of hope for, really. And there's not many franchises out that need quarterbacks that are going to settle for them. Jacksonville. The Giants, but they're, but they're I mean, in position to draft, though. Yeah, they? They're going to take Haskins and well, you never know. Murray, you never, you never know. I, I mean, know. I think especially with the fan base idea, it applies to all the franchises across the league. Yeah, you're going to do far better energizing drafting a you know one of these like young guys coming out, especially with the trend of the league, yeah. than going and getting a Flacco or a Dalton. Well, you know, we we'll, we'll, we will see. I we mean, will. This, this it's very uh, it's a tough market for old quarterbacks. T- it is, yeah, d- yeah, absolutely. Um, and just finally, uh, uh, our old friend Jim Bingham from uh, Japan at uh, Dreams of Witness, D Witness. That's a solid handle. Um, draft talk, tight end, linebacker, or OL in the first round, then chaps. Um, thinking uh, a right tackle from me. I I've got a real bugbear about linebacker. Yeah. I I, I th- desperately think we need. Um, because you look at. If you look, what's okay? We've got a right tackle, not a very good one, but we've got one. Mm. Now I'm not. I'm not saying Bobby Hart's gonna <laughs> false start. Bobby Hart ain't gonna be false stick, start. Bobby Hart. I ain't gonna stick around for too much longer. But we have bodies there. We don't at linebacker. We really don't. Mm. Not up to the quality that we need. So if it was up to me personally, and I normally like going in the trenches and and, and drafting yeah, guys yeah, on the yeah, offensive yeah. defensive line high. If Devin White in there is there at eleven, he might not be. But if he is, you snap his hand off. You snap his arm. You snap his whole body off. And <laughs> I br- hope he recovers by the start of the season. And you bring him to Cincinnati because he yeah. could be a real playmaker. But I'd be equally, I'd be happy with a, a first-round offensive line, a, a tackle there. Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with you, Paul. I, I, I'd be on the linebacker bandwagon. I think if you bring a guy in that can sort of... You've got the youth there. I also think we need free a, a free agent linebacker. I just think... I'd be surprised if Burfitt was on this team. I mean, you were talking off air about how Zach Taylor would view someone like a Burfitt um, going into next season. And I'd be very surprised if he was willing to sort of carry on with him, especially from a financial perspective. So I think if Burfitt was to go, you can't believe Vinnie Ray's got too much left in the tank. You're literally down to sort of Preston Brown, um, Jordan Evans and people like that. You've still got Nick Vigil, who's been, you know, flashed at times last year. But you really think that they need to go out there and get at least a, you know, an early first or second round draft pick and a free agent there, um, and at least probably a free agent on the offensive line as well. 
Absolutely, 100%. Uh, we've spoken a lot tonight. I think we're going to wrap it up. But uh, Shawnee at Shawnee01. Hello, Sean. Andy Dalton should remain our QB for at least the next couple of years. Not against drafting someone and letting him compete, but no way should should we be replacing him with someone like Tannehill. So there you go. That's Sean's... Uh, um, two pennies worth. We are going to be doing a podcast next week on Tuesday or even Monday. I'm not quite sure yet, but uh, there will be one because next Tuesday it's the 30th anniversary of Super Bowl 23 when the Bengals played the 49ers in Miami. And uh, we're going to kind of dedicate the majority of that episode, depending on what happens with the Rams game, of course, and any announcements uh, following that. We're going to be dedicating that episode to that game and to that AFC Championship winning team of 1988. Boomer Esiason, James Brooks, Icky Woods, Tim Crumry, David Fulcher and all. We're hoping to get uh, a very special guest for that, so um, fingers crossed. But whatever happens, we'll be paying our dues and remembering and uh, hopefully... People who don't know too much about that team, uh, kind of maybe educating a little bit. Uh, just they were such a fantastic team. So that's something to look forward to next week. Um, you can get hold of us on Facebook at, uh, on the Bengals UK page uh, or on Twitter at Hooday underscore UK. Uh, so thank you for listening. And um, it only remains for me to say it's a Hooday from me. And a Hooday from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.